You are listening to Waffle, the bite-sized podcast with Paul Jenkins. First broadcast on Rossendale Radio on the 10th of May 2020. This week, Paul talks to Canadian performance poet Rose Kondo about her work, being nominated for awards, and her love of all things Joss Whedon. Welcome to the Weekend Wind Down. It's me, Paul Jenkins, and it's now time for our Waffle Hour. Now, you know, each week we speak to an artist, a poet, an author, a producer of words. Uh, and this week, uh, the clue was uh, what I just played you uh, at the top of the hour. I played you Run To You by Brian Adams. Why did I choose a Canadian artist? I have, you know, I could have gone with Celine Dion. Why on earth did I do that? Well, this week we are going truly international, international via Salford. As I speak to the absolutely inimitable Rose Condo, it's an absolute absolute pleasure to speak to her today here's my interview from earlier on good afternoon welcome to the weekend wind down it's paul jenkins here with the waffle hour and i have on the line rose condo are you sp- are you there rose hello paul <laughs> <laughs> we managed to do it we've managed to connect up ipads and phones and uh, and whereabouts are you this afternoon i am currently in my flat in salford yes sat near a window overlooking some windy trees some windy sh- I was going to say it's not quite the uh, the sunny breeze that we've had in previous days is it no it's not <laughs> it has turned um, now Rose you're our guest this afternoon you've got so much uh, to talk about uh, and I don't think it can escape uh, anyone's attention uh, that you're possibly the the first guest we've had with an international flavour shall we say <laughs> Uh, you're, you're described often as the prairie poet. Is that? Do you, do you want to expand on that? Who is Rose Condo, and where did Rose Condo come from? Ah, uh, yes. Well, Rose Condo came from the Canadian prairies. It's actually Canadian Mother's Day today, so hooray! Oh, right. Happy Mother's yeah. Day. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, yeah. So I, I was born um, in the Canadian prairies. I grew up in a city called Winnipeg, which is in the centre of Canada. Um, and so I haven't. I've lived in the UK off and on since 2003, mm-hmm. uh, but still have quite a broad Canadian accent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah, I get over to visit uh, every couple of years or so, but I'm pretty much based now in uh, in the north of England. Right. Okay. So that's and that's uh, how was that in terms of being an artist? Sort of, you know, is there is there a culture? Are there cultural differences that you find in terms of the the way that you write or or the way audiences react to things? Yeah, it's it's a really interesting one. So I, I studied theatre uh, and drama at the University of Winnipeg and um, didn't get into poetry until I moved to the UK. So um, I. I performed poetry like at the Winnipeg Fringe Festival and things but I don't feel like particularly well versed pun intended uh, <laughs> with the with the Canadian spoken word scene but um, I mean I, I I guess I noticed sort of minor cultural differences uh, just in kind of general life. Mm. Um, I think Canadians have a bit of a stereotype for being super friendly, and I kind of forget sometimes that my friendliness is about an 11 in a lot of (laughs) (laughs) social situations and sometimes realize I have to dial it down in more reserved um, (laughs) um, UK uh, scenarios. But, uh, yeah, I think... Yeah, it's 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 a bit of a, an interesting one because I was back in um, Winnipeg at Christmas time. My partner Karen and I were there for the holidays, and it was funny because so much was the same, and yet everything was different. And mm. so, because there is such a, an English um, British influence in Canada, there there aren't huge vast cultural differences. They're very kind of uh, subtle. Um, they kind of sneak up on you. 
but Canada's Canada in itself has got a lot of cultural difference. Whether depending on what side of the country you're on, my, my only experience is I visited Vancouver for a very short time, which, as you yeah. say, sort of felt very much that kind of British Columbia kind of. It's a, almost a little Britain, really. Uh, but, but then you you talk about Quebec, and we're almost talking about another continent, aren't we? That's it. Absolutely. Um, I once heard. I think it's true. I once heard that Winnipeg has a lot of call centers in it because it's a very neutral accent area oh, of um, Canada. Um, and what's really, I mean, what's vibrant in so many places of Canada, but particularly I found in, in Winnipeg and Manitoba, which is the province, is the indigenous culture. Mm. Um, and that has with it its own incredible power and, and, and history in Canada, too. It's and I I think it's it, almost certain from an audience point of view. The first time that I saw you performing live, uh, I think I met you once before, but I think the first time I seen you performing was at uh, Jimmy's at their Speak Evening in Manchester. Mm. Now that was at a time when you were uh, you were working on your project How to Starve an Artist, um, yeah. And and that's how I mean that 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 in itself that's quite a a, a, a big title there. How to Starve an Artist. Where did <laughs> where, where did that come from? Was that was that your experience of of, of beginning that? poetry journey in in Britain? Uh, no, I think I'd, I'd written one show before that, The Geography of Me, which I had mm. taken up to the Edinburgh Fringe. How to Starve an Artist is an idea I had been wrestling with since I had lived in, in Canada. I first moved over in 2011. And before that, I'd had all these experiences of like going to these incredible artistic cultural events and being really excited by what I saw, but then noticing that my own inner artist just felt really like undernourished. Mm. And I started to kind of crystallize that idea in conversations with people. And then coming into um, uh, poetry and, and finding a bit of a voice in poetry, I started to kind of put some words to that idea and um, and really found, I think it's found resonance for a lot of people because I think a lot of people have recognized that idea of like feeling hungry to create something and being a bit starved for time or for resources or mm. for confidence or whatever it is. Um, and I also just really like feeding people. So I feed people in the show too because <laughs> <laughs> why not do a poetry show where you also make sandwiches? I was going to say sandwiches, or, or I've, I've received sweets, boiled sweets, and uh, chewits. I think I've received in one of your shows before. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm a big fan of the uh, the audience engagement, right down to you know the palate. <laughs> do you think Do you think that's important? Because I, again, we'll talk about this a little bit with one of your later shows about the, the connections you make with audiences. But do you think it's important for for that? Uh, not not just to be I'm going to perform and you're going to listen that there's actually that that kind of back and forth in a, in a show and particularly a spoken word show it is for me yeah I think everybody sort of um, I would imagine comes to performance and wants to get different things out of it I really like to kind of share that space and that energy and that live um, experience with audiences and I I've come to, to build into my practice things that I'm hoping engage audiences on a bit of a deeper level during the performance mm. that might kind of trigger a bit of critical reflection or a little bit of like nudging people very gently outside of their comfort zones, not in a way to make them feel um, feel silly or embarrassed or anything like that, but to go beyond passively taking in words that are spoken to being a little bit more active yeah. in the experience. Uh, yeah, now, what, what we're going to do is we're going to um, we're going to move on to your um, your big uh, production recently, which is actually an award nominated production now. Um, and uh, we're going to talk about that in the second part. But we're just coming up to a music break now. Uh, and now your first uh, music choice is, uh, mm -hmm. is by Annie Lennox. Um, now, why, why Walking on Broken Glass? Well, 
I love this song. It always just like, if I'm feeling a little bit low energy, I put this on and I just get super pumped by it. But I was listening to it the other day and it felt really resonant right now because of the, the you know, pathways that we're on and it's all feeling a bit uncertain and jagged, but it just lifted my spirits. Yeah, there's a certain fragility to it, isn't there? Exactly, right. yeah. Okay, well, here's, uh, here's Annie Lennox. Welcome back to the Weekend Wind Down. I'm speaking to Rose Kondo and uh, we're chatting about poetry and we're chatting about music uh, and we're also chatting about her new show. Well, I say a new show. This is a, a very much a, a well-established show now, but it's it's new in terms of the fact that it's just got a bit of a boost because it's been nominated for an award. Uh, and do you want to tell us, Rose, about the empathy experiment, about where it came from, first of all? Sure. Um, yeah, I wrote the Empathy Experiment last year with funding from Arts Council England, mm -hmm. and it's a solo spoken word show um, that just explores tech addiction and whether um, our addictions to mobile devices is having an impact on how we feel and express empathy. Um, it's set up as an experiment. It's this 24-hour research period that I'm doing mm. uh, where I've put away all of my devices to see if that has any impact on my uh, on my empathy, and the show itself is, is kind of positioned as the final hour of that research period right and you've that's again we were talking about the audience interaction side of things mm -hmm. uh, now i experienced this show in edinburgh and this is going to put the fear of dread into our audience <laughs> members now tell, tell us about what you do at the start of the show well i thought listen if i'm going to do a show about um giving up my phones is there a way that i can invite audiences to go on that experience with me so i ask audience members to hand over their phones um and it was i was developing the show um, in collaboration with some artists one of whom was dominic berry he was brilliant dramaturg on it and we talked about how gently that needed to be managed so uh, i won't say too much more than that but um but it is very much with it in mind how big of an ask this is for audience members and i try to do that as kind of care-filled and respectfully as possible it was i i've having been part of the experience uh, and it was it was a packed room as well i think there was i think there were close to 50 audience members uh when yeah. uh, when, uh, when we we handed them over and it was all very it was very securely done we were all put everything was put into marked envelopes and things like that and you've, again i don't want to spoil the show for people but it was it was as you say it had to be gently done it was like handing over a little tiny bit of yourself to somebody else <laughs> there was an immense trust in there um, yeah, and, and it and it I really did get everybody's attention for the rest of the hour. Um, yeah, it's an interesting one. Um, people have told me afterwards how panicked that they felt initially, thinking like, "What if someone calls me?" And you think, mm. "Well, you're in a show. I would hope you wouldn't answer." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But also, I should say it's not mandatory. Like there have been mm. people who have flat out refused, or yeah. who have said that they don't have their phone with them, which may or may not be true. No yeah. judgment. So yeah, it was it was strange though that experience, as you say, of, of handing it over. Um, I. I regularly I kept checking my pocket for my phone because I wanted yeah. to check the time and it was only afterwards I thought I'm wearing a watch why am I not looking at my watch I'm so reliant on my phone I'm now checking for the time um, now I, I i want to give as much uh sort of uh time to, the, to this as possible now you've got um, a section of the show um that you you can share with us now haven't you i do yes so um part of the research that i do for the show is um i sent out a survey asking people uh what uh, various questions to do with mm -hmm. mobile use and empathy and one of them was about what people's top uses for their phones were and, and one of those answers is facebook mm -hmm. so i write this kind of open letter to facebook in the show um it goes like this dear facebook are you wondering where i've been what i've eaten what i've liked what i've loved who i've seen 
what has made me mad, what has made me laugh, what has made me sad, what I've photographed. Do you miss me? Do you even notice I've not posted recently? I bet you are bursting to tell me about invitations happening in the next few days, about events that friends are going to near me, about who is celebrating birthdays. I think I miss you. I remember when we first met back in 2007 during my MA studies, you were just starting out in the world. We became buddies. We just clicked. You helped me connect with friends old and new. I'd take a break from my books to check in with you to see who had poked me or who had updated their relationship status as it's complicated or who had written on my wall or had sent me a friend request or had thrown a sheep at me. You were the best way to escape for a bit of fun distraction and it all feels so simple, so innocent, so far away those early days. What happened? I know what happened somewhere along the way. I decided I was okay giving you my everything, which you gladly consumed. I trusted, I believed, I assumed you had my best interests at heart. Did you start out knowing you'd become a space that would replace face-to-face? That you'd become a tool used for spreading cruel views where the sender was removed from having to see how their message would land? And I don't understand how algorithms actually work or what cookies even really mean. And despite all that I have heard and seen about your manipulation, about your design to be addictive, about increases in my anxieties, I still crave your dopamine fixes. Why did you have to mess things up in such a nasty way? And I can imagine what you'd say. What gives, Rose? You did this on your own. You chose your addiction to me on your laptop and phone. It's not my fault. Except that it is. You're not human. You were created by humans. You exist by design. And so the choice has to be mine. To take a brain-breathing break every now and then, like now. So then, though my longing for you grows ever stronger, I'm going to stay signed off just a bit longer. That's excellent. Uh, I, I I love the fact that the, just even at the very start of that, it's addressed to Facebook. It's not addressed to Mark Zuckerberg. It's not addressed to the <laughs> CEO. It's not it's not a human you're talking to. And it's, you come back to that during the course of the piece where you where you're talking, you know, you're talking to an algorithm and a cookie and, a, and a whatever it means yeah. now. Um, yeah. That's that really, I think, gets across that kind of disconnect that, that, yeah. that we've got. And so that, you, that lots of talk at the moment about the empathy deficit and about what mm-hmm. that really means. Do you, mm-hmm. I mean, we're obviously talking about this during the course of the lockdown. Do you think that's been affected by this new way of looking at things that we've now we're all in our little isolated hubs? Yeah, it's a really, really tricky one because um, in terms of like the thrust of the show, I, I I can't fathom not checking my phone for a day right now no. because it's how I keep in touch with my family, both in the UK and Canada, and distract myself and lift my spirits if I need to. And yet it's still, it's it's been a useful tool, I think, to, to kind of maintain connection and perhaps an element of normalcy in all of this, mm. but it's still... 
still completely woven in are all of the problems and issues that were there before. And, um, and I think it's something we're having to manage because I think our empathy can get a bit depleted if we're constantly seeing things that are really, really hard to process and, and really draw on, on our emotions and things. So I don't feel like there's an easy answer to that <laughs> question. Yeah, um, I was, was going to say. Because it's a complicated issue to begin with. So, mm. yeah. And just- I think... Um, I was just going to say, I think what I, I hope that uh, that particular poem, but the show in general helps to illustrate is the element of choice. I think we tend to forget the element of choice we have in engaging with this technology. And hopefully by suggesting that maybe there's an impact on our empathy is a bit of that kind of uh, help to reset our, our ways that we use it and, and think about the ways we engage with it. And it's it's as well is that I think as well comes across in the show is that there's a, and there's a fascinating area again I'm not going to spoil too much but you talk about literally stepping into somebody else's shoes at one point or another and that's a that's the difference isn't it between you know be, feeling sympathy for somebody else's situation and actually putting yourself in that situation and that's the exactly bit, that's the bit we're missing isn't it. Yeah, I think definitely. I think we're we're very quick to leap to our our beliefs and assertions about things, and um, I mean, there's lots of discussion right now about how we need because we've got abundance of time right now. We need to maintain that to make space for nuanced consideration and discussion, and not just kind of leap to a really strong view where if no one agrees with that view then they're wrong we need a bit more space to kind of unpick and feel the kind of details and undercurrents of of, of opinions and views and experiences yeah nobody can have a view on it yet because it's a world that nobody's ever been in before yeah, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely uh, right we're going to uh, we're going to very quickly uh, sort of uh, take uh, take another music break and uh, you're you are you are dragging us back to canada to, to a place i have uh, a person i've not come across before this is stan rogers we've got coming yes Stan Rogers alas he is he is not with us anymore he um he uh perished in a a plane crash unfortunately he um traveled across Canada um singing with um some fellas that you'll hear in this song and it's got a very kind of Celtic kind of influence to it and uh this song is just it always gives me goosebumps it's just hauntingly beautiful I think as well that the fact that he's called it Northwest Passage and that's where you're living now uh that's yeah it was obviously it was obviously <laughs> this is this is sam rogers with northwest passage Welcome back to the Weekend Wind Down. It's Paul Jenkins here with the final part of our interview this afternoon with Rose Kondo. Uh, and you've been sharing parts of your show, The Empathy Experiment, with us. Uh, and as I mentioned earlier, it's uh, following its very, very successful Edinburgh run. Uh, it's now been nominated for something called a Saboteur Award. Uh, is that right? Yes, that is right. Yeah, uh, it was uh, shortlisted along with th- uh, three other shows uh, for the Saboteur Awards, um, which is really, really exciting. Um, it was nice uh, just to, to mention briefly as well, going up to Edinburgh, I had won Best Spoken Word Show at the Greater Manchester Fringe as yes. well. So that was a really nice momentum to go to the epicness that is Edinburgh Fringe. So and it's, then it's already an award winning show. So this is literally like you're having to build a new shelf for this one. <laughs> It's just, I mean, it's it's such an incredible honor. It's it's been really, really amazing how people have responded to the show. So it, it just feels like such a privilege. And just for for those people at home who may not have come across this, the, this in the spoken word scene, the saboteur awards is is pretty much like the gold standard, isn't it? It's the it's the one that that people look to and go, wow, you've been nominated for a saboteur. That's great. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's it's pretty awesome because there there aren't a lot of places where, in a really kind of formal way, um, spoken word has that kind of opportunity for acclaim. Mm. And so, to be able to to be to to have artists who are nominated and then it's it's gone to a public vote now, mm. and for there to be just that process of. Um, people knowing to 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 go on and to to vote just that process of like making people aware of these artists that are are, are out there is, is just pretty awesome i think it is and it's uh, I've, i found as well from the last few years of following the awards what's really nice as well is that is that there are shows that you've you may have come across and seen before uh, and others that you you wouldn't necessarily have come across and they've they've probably got some content online and you start checking out the other artists as well and i think it's a really good way of highlighting what's been really the quality stuff during the course of the year yeah, definitely. I was really fortunate uh, back in 2017, um, my show How to Starve an Artist was runner-up Best Spoken Word Show then. Mm. Um, so to be shortlisted again with the Empathy Experiment is just uh, just incredible. It feels it feels like such a privilege. And there are some really amazing artists on the shortlist as well. Dominic Berry and Louise Vizakali are, are shortlisted for Best Spoken Word Performer. Um, Punk and Drublick is uh, Best Spoken Word Night. Flapjack Press for Most Innovative most innovative publishers shortlisted so yeah some pretty great like northwest representation as well there so, is a yeah. there's a lot of northwest representation and it's it, yeah. it was it was brilliant and i was really pleased actually of of, of when i came to vote for things obviously i i voted for things that i've seen and i've, I've experienced uh, and a lot of those are in the northwest um and none of them clashed it was wonderful i didn't have to i didn't have to choose between people i <laughs> wanted to choose but it's also opened other doors as well uh there's yeah. there's, some, there's a fantastic collection by sadie davidson that's on the shortlist um life yeah. behind uh, behind bars we're hoping to speak to her in a few weeks time uh, oh, brilliant. Show. uh but but things like that really bringing together just different collections i think and it's really is an eclectic collection of, of people some children's poets some uh, or sort of family poets some are, uh, are, are poets like like yourself working in something critical and 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 really thinking about feelings and emotions and other other artists really sort of hammering the door down politically it's it's a real yeah. collection isn't it it's amazing, and the the, the guys, uh, the people that put it together, the the sabotage reviews people. I mean, it's just more than anything, like you say, it's an opportunity to celebrate the the spoken word and and literary achievements that be are being made um in the UK. So, I I mean, it's I kind of feel like regardless of of winner or anything like that, just like you say, being able to be more aware of uh, of these people's work is is brilliant. Um, when they put the shortlist out, they also kind of mention people who were kind of on the long list who who were also commended in a, in a way as well so uh so yeah they do just brilliant work to to pull all of this together and normally it goes to a bit of an event where they hand out these awards which um was originally going to be i think possibly in birmingham or london this coming saturday and they've mm. put it all online it's going to be zoom extravaganza so <laughs> looking forward to that <laughs> oh, it's, i think it will be i'll be i'll be if wherever we can i'll be looking for either tuning into it or or seeing if we can get some footage of it afterwards it'd be it'd be great to, to well be, obviously best of luck with the, the award itself but uh, just to kind of see Thank the you. event would be with an experience um, yeah definitely i think they're going to record it and broadcast it afterwards um and just to say too if anyone wants to cast a vote if you go to sabotagereviews.com all of the details are there yes and we'll uh, we'll post that up on the uh, on the uh, facebook page for the for the radio station as well because uh, we've had some previous guests don berry's been on the show before as well um, yeah, so, we've, so uh, there'll be people listening at home and think right you know what let's uh, let's see what we can do and see if we can influence the uh, the the result if we can hey 
so just before we uh, before we go to your last music choice, what's uh, what's what's on the horizon for you? Obviously, we, we're all in you know the same situation at the moment. But uh, in terms yeah. of uh, future projects, I know that you work with the Lawrence Batley Theatre over in Huddersfield quite a lot. I do. I host a monthly night there called Stellar Stories, mm. and um, we are going to do an online version of that on uh, Tuesday the 19th of May, so right. on the Lawrence Batley Theatre's website, which is thelbt.org. Mm-hmm. You can find details on there. It'll be on Zoom. Um, I mean, I had a wonderful uh, kind of schedule of tour dates for the Empathy Experiment, and they've all been postponed or or, or cancelled. Mm. So I think looking ahead, just looking at whether um, some of those can get rebooked or figuring out new innovations innovative ways to, to share the work. Um, I'm currently working on uh, my debut collection, which will be out later in the year as well, which Excellent. I'm really excited about. So, um, yeah, watch this space. It's, it sounds as if we're, we're, we're very much going to watch this space. And uh, we will. Uh, <laughs> what we'll do is we'll we'll update people as uh, as, as time's going on as to, as to what happens with the awards and uh, what's happening with the new collection. Uh, and, of course, we'll direct people to, uh, if, they're, if they're heading in the Huddersfield direction, uh, once uh, once the lockdown's lifted, then we'll definitely get them to, uh, to Stellar Stories. That be great brilliant uh right we are we're just coming up now we're, we're coming up to the uh, the, the end of our uh, show unfortunately but uh, we need to uh, we need to talk about your final uh, <laughs> which i think i've left a bit of time for because you've chosen <laughs> walk through the fire uh, now, now, that, now that's something that i know about and i'm i'm literally i'm in my living room though, wearing a sunny dale t-shirt so uh, in honor of this interview so what can we what, what does this mean to you <laughs> so my wonderful partner kieran king is a huge fan of uh buffy the vampire slayer and angel and early on in our relationship i gave him the whole dvd box set of, of angel thinking oh i'm a great girlfriend i know about this stuff i don't know anything about it <laughs> didn't realize that i kind of needed to watch a lot of buffy to get up to the angel point but also he showed me the musical episode of of Buffy the Vampire Slayer like two years ago and I had no context for it but I thought oh my gosh this is really great and then just this past week we had finally watched up to the point in season six of (laughs) Buffy to get to that episode and it just meant so much more because I knew the characters and the relationship dynamics and stuff and um, the next day that song the song Walk Through the Fire was, was just in my head and again felt a little bit resonant about where we are now and so I've, I've grown to really embrace the wonderful celebratory nerdiness of all of this and i thought oh what a what a lovely song to have with when with you people. when you bought a dvd box set i don't think you realized just how much you were plugging into an entirely new universe <laughs> Rose, as ever, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. We're going to finish the show uh, with uh, with Walk Through the Fire. Um, please do keep in touch and we'll, uh, we'll speak to you very soon. Thank you so much, Paul. Take care. Cheers. Bye-bye. 104.7 Rossendale Radio. And so we come to the end of another Waffle the Bite Size podcast. My thanks, of course, go to Rose Kondo for uh, being in contact with us and for telling us all about her work with How to Starve an Artist and the Empathy Experiment uh, and, of course, her plans for the future. When we're also very uncertain as to what's going on, it looks like uh, there's a very firm and definite future ahead for Rose. Uh, we'll keep an eye on a Saboteur Award uh, nomination. Fingers crossed for her and all the other nominees uh, who we've featured on the show. My thanks, as ever, go to Melanie Kemp and Lee Ball for their work on Waffle the Bite Size podcast and to our friends at Rossendale Radio. We will be back with more guests next week.